0: Welcome to episode 313 with my guest Neil Brennan. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. Uh, the show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. Mentalpod is also the Twitter handle you can follow me at. But go to our website. Fill out a survey. Maybe we'll read your survey on the air. Uh, browse the forum. Uh, you can read blogs, guest blogs. You can find out how to support the show financially or non-financially. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. And we have, uh, resource lists there. Um, um, all kinds of, all, you know, get off your fucking ass and go to the website. Now, I have lost my patience with you, young man and young lady. That's right. We made it a minute and one second before it derailed. Um, so uh, to fill you in, I am going to... Uh, I started working with a uh, an online therapist about, I want to say, three months ago. I was approached by the... Uh, the people at BetterHelp.com—they're an online therapy thing—and they said we'd like to work with you. And I said, "Well, um, I would like to try your uh, therapy before we uh, before we work together, and because I'd like to be able to talk uh, about it and be able to share my personal experiences uh, with it. And uh, assuming I like it, then we'll move forward and work together." and uh I've given you a couple of updates on um working with with my therapist her name's Donna and um I really really like her. We talk once uh once a week every Friday five o'clock and um one of the things that I like about um about better help is that you you can contact your uh your therapist, um, multiple, multiple times, uh, through, through the week. Um, so she will, uh, send me messages saying, um, I want you to think about this before our session, uh, on Friday, or I'll send her, uh, you know, uh, a message saying, you know, what do you think about this? There are a couple of different ways that you can communicate on, on, uh, better help. You can do it, um, through, um, messages back and forth you can do it through live messaging back and forth you can do it through live audio and you can do it through live video um and i i really like it i'm a i'm a fan it's um well for instance like some of the stuff we talked about this week um her her um homework that she gave me was to think about the things that i have learned about myself or the world In the last couple of months, because as as many of you know, my wife and I are splitting up after being together for a really long time. So, um, it's uh, I've been through a lot, as has uh, my my wife. And so, you know, as I was doing the homework, I thought, wow, I've discovered some things about myself that um, if I hadn't sat down to write them out i don't know if they would have come to me as clearly for instance um one of the things i learned is that 99 percent of my fears never come true and the ones that do they don't wipe out everything good in my life like my brain tells me they're gonna um i've learned that mature people can break up in a respectful compassionate way um despite the pain um I realize that I'm stronger than I thought I was, that my feelings won't kill me. Um, I realize that I have a hard time asking for companionship when I'm lonely. Um, I realize that I am afraid to ask people to do stuff with me or for me on my birthday. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad or sorry for me, but my birthday was Monday and um I didn't do anything for my birthday because I was afraid to say, hey, it's my birthday. Can we do something for it? <laughs> i kidding. I stayed in my apartment and I did laundry. But it gave me a good joke because then when people would say, hey, did you do anything fun for your birthday? I would say, well, does laundry count? Um, but these are some of the things that, that I'm... Um, some examples of, of work that I'm doing with, with Donna. And I just... Um, I'm a fan of BetterHelp.com, uh, so uh, I recommend it. Go to uh, BetterHelp.com if you guys want to uh, try it out. Uh, go to BetterHelp.com/slash/mental, and then you just complete their questionnaire, and you get matched up with a BetterHelp.com counselor uh, and experience a free week of counseling to see if uh, you know online counseling is right for you. So. Check it out once again: BetterHelp.com/mental. And um, as I said, I'm going to be giving you updates every week on the kind of stuff that she and I talk about, and the assignments that I work on. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be to be working with the the, the people at BetterHelp because um, I like what they do. All right, um, I want to give some love to uh, Zip Recruiter are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. And now you can. ZipRecruiter has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team to find the best hire. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. ZipRecruiter is a search engine for finding and posting jobs. So find, find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post it once. And, uh, watch your qualified candidates roll in. Uh, there's no juggling emails or calls to your office. You quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. And if you have any issues, ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff is ready to help. So find out why. ZipRecruiter has been used by over a million businesses. And their website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches. And right now, you guys can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first, and let's do it a third time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Okay, I have a couple of uh, surveys I want to read before we get to the uh, the interview with, with Neil. Um, this one is a struggle in a sentence survey. This is filled out by Mushrooms Make Me Normal, and he writes about his depression. After years of untreated depressive phase bipolar two. My soul has shriveled up and dried out inside me like an avocado that looks fine, but when you cut it open, everything inside is shrunken and black, and now your guacamole is ruined. That made me laugh so fucking hard when I read that. Uh, His anxiety. Walking down a dark street alone and constantly looking over my shoulder, and I'm not sure if I'm more afraid of being mugged or running into a friend I never called back. Did you have a career as a writer uh, about his PTSD. I'm trying to look male authority figures in the eye, but they might as well be 10 foot tall. Snapshot from his life. It's late 2016 and I just quit the third job this year because leaving is easier than trying to talk to my boss about the excessive workload that I took on voluntarily because I'm such a people pleaser. Thank you for that. I always enjoy when you guys uh, you don't skimp on the honesty, but you also make me laugh. That's all, that's that's also uh, that's always nice. Uh, Failing with style writes about her anxiety, uh, perpetually living in future scenarios that illustrate the dred- dreadful consequences of present situations that may or may not ever come to fruition snapshot from her life. I've gotten a total of seven hours of sleep in the past three days because I lay awake at night anxious about the planned trip to visit my parents at the end of the month. The more time and distance I've had from them, the more I feel I'm becoming myself. Each time I go home, I feel like I've done something new that my mom disapproves of. When I go home this time, I'll have another new piercing. Have left my engineering job to work in a tattoo shop and gotten a girlfriend. How much change can I push on them until they reject me? Until it's too much for them to handle? I feel like I'm just starting to find the self in me that I love. Is it worth losing their love over? In a word, yes, it is. Be your authentic self and fuck anybody that doesn't jump on board. Uh, Bodie McBoatface shares about uh, her anxiety. Having to slowly make my way to the bathroom at my best friend's birthday party so I could cry. I had no, quote, reason to be crying other than feeling overwhelmed by the amount of new people streaming into her apartment and not having the energy to, quote, fake it enough to seem like a likable person. Man, I think so many people relate to that feeling there are. Well, maybe I should just speak for myself. But um, while I, it doesn't work me enough up, up to go into the bathroom and cry. That feeling of more and more people I don't know coming into a room is. Uh, it might as well be. It might as well be water coming into steerage in the in the Titanic, <laughs> pouring through the door. Thank you, thank you for that survey. Uh, Doctors don't get depression, shares about uh, her depression. It feels like washing my hair is the equivalent of climbing Mount Everest. But her anxiety, it feels like an out-of-my-body experience, like I'm watching this person who looks like me live a life. The more people and noise around, the more I can't breathe, and the farther away from my body I get until I just have to go. Thank you for that. Pepper shares an awful some moment I was going through a really rough time moved to a new state job market was horrible and I couldn't find a job to leave um, the one that was killing me I was working a lot of overtime in a very bad environment the only bright spot was being able to see my two-year-old nephew for lunch any day I wanted and on the days I didn't see him I read Harry Potter books voraciously one night after working till Uh, After 9 p.m. and driving home in tons of snow, I pulled my Jeep into the garage, kept it running, and closed the garage door. I was done. Depressed. Unhappy about my job, my marriage, my life. A few minutes into what was going to end in my death, I got a text from the library. Ms. Pepper, your hold item, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, is now available. We will hold it at the front desk for three business days. And that was it. Harry Potter saved my life. I'm so scared of being alive and so scared of dying. I was so, so lonely, but I couldn't bear being around people. and it hurt. I've just been like very interested in dicks. I don't know how to let loose and just be. All my alters have different handwriting and different. Extremely anxious. Affects. I am most turned on
1: when I am in fear. My
0: first thought was I'm about to die.
1: Stomach clutching despair.
0: Ocean of sadness.
1: I came out over the phone to them.
0: I put myself on the Atkins diet in fourth grade. I'm here with Neil Brennan, uh, who most of you probably know as the co-creator of Chappelle show, um, done a ton of other things, co-wrote Half Baked, uh, worked on, he's making faces right now, like uh, he doesn't <laughs> want to be known for that or what? Oh, well, yeah, that's
1: true. But uh, I don't want to be known for that. Anymore. No, I, it's just embarrassing to hear someone say like, yeah, yeah what he's known, whatever.
0: It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did a lot of work on uh, Inside Amy Schumer. Yep. Um, uh, on and on and on and on. Bunch uh, of stuff. I, and you have a uh, a special out on uh, Netflix called Three Mics, which I watched the other night <clears throat> and absolutely loved. Uh, break a lot of new ground. Did you watch the whole thing? The whole thing. Oh,
1: they gave you a screen. Okay, great. Yeah. I didn't know that they could release screeners. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a big shot.
0: So, oh, you know, oh I thought a, you were. They're not afraid to email me a Oh, wait, code. is that Paul? Oh, fuck. All right, sorry. <laughs> um, so, I thought you were some fucking
1: ding-dong in the valley, but it turns out it's Paul. Oh, it no, no, no. no. Yeah, don't sorry. let
0: all of the accoutrements <laughs> fool you. Don't let the closet-sized office yeah. uh, and all the other things fool you. Uh, but I, I loved it. Uh, Thank um, you. It's just such a nice blend of... Well, you explain the premise to them. I don't want to...
1: Yep. Uh, Okay,
0: three microphones
1: on stage, equidistant from each other. Um, They're spaced up 15 feet across the stage, Um, and uh, it had to be 15 feet. I'm kidding. Um, And it all becomes like an exercise in OCD. Um, I had to touch each microphone four times. Um, And uh, so one mic is for stand-up, one is for one-liners, and one is for like emotional sort of I don't fucking know, shares, for yeah. lack of a better word. Yeah. I mean, basically, if you've been to any 12-step program, what I'm doing is doing shares. Yeah, Most people don't go to 12-step programs, so they don't know what I'm doing. They're just yeah. like, what, what are you? Yeah. I had a woman who straight up, dur- I did the show in Chicago, and a woman went on my Instagram and my Twitter and DM me and was like, I'm here with my family. You have to stop talking like this. What? Like she was like, what are you doing? Because I like share emotional stuff about my dad and depression and whatever. So and ambition and uh, and hiding behind people. So she was like begging me to stop in real time. It's so goddamn funny. Oh my um, god, that's fantastic. And uh, and um so so yeah so that's the so it's like thirty five forty minutes of stand up. Uh, 25, 30 minutes of emotional stuff and three minutes of one-liners. Basically, is what it breaks out to.
0: I'm just going to guess her dad's a drunk and was sitting next to her. I mean, who
1: knows? She then <laughs> went on to say, like, sorry, I didn't mean that. Like, oh, it was okay. great. We loved it. But I think she was, you know, if you bring someone to a show and then it's like, anyhow, my father beat my family. It just like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. You know, but that to me is like the, the, the what's interesting about
0: the show. I completely agree. Um, where's a good place to uh, start with your story? I guess your your childhood, you were raised uh,
1: where? I was raised in uh, outside Chicago and outside Philadelphia.
0: Okay. Where outside Chicago? Uh, Wilmette. Well oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Homewood. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and what, uh, what was childhood like? I mean, ten I know kids, because one you... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. One of ten kids, yeah, uh, I'm One of ten kids' father was a, uh alcoholic, sort of rager. Um, not He wasn't like a fall-down drunk. He was like a three, four beer, or a Manhattan. He would have a bourbon Manhattan, which are fucking disgusting, by the way. Horrible. My dad drank those. Yeah. yeah. Ho- like, horrendous. Yeah. When... Can you... When I even smell ver... It's vermouth partially, right? You're just I like, just... I don't yeah. understand how anyone drinks hard alcohol. It all tastes like gasoline to me. Yeah. Um And it's got a ton of sugar in it, which is baffling. It's like, how is this supposed to taste without sugar? Uh, not a fall-down drunk, just like a regular sort of... He would... I think he drank to give himself permission to be uh, who he wanted to be, which is sort of a bullying dickhead. mm um and so it was just like he would he would come home and then drink and then just target whomever um thankfully i was rarely the target because i was a bit of a mascot i was like the youngest and precocious and all that stuff so
0: and had a sense of humor yeah i, I was funny and and um
1: every, a lot of us were funny but i think i was like it was funnier cuz i it was coming out of this little yeah, little guy.
0: And if you can crack somebody up mid beat down, yeah, I mean that's a victory. Well,
1: I there was especially a lot when of the life. arm is when the Hold arm on. is cocked. One <laughs> <laughs> one more minute. Yeah, uh, I think I can say something that's going to make you put your fist down. There was never once the beating started the, the laughter the laughter weirdly died. Uh, I wasn't going for bits at that point, um, but and again, it was rarely aimed at me. It was mostly aimed at my older uh, brothers. So. But yeah, so that was
0: sort of it, and um, I would imagine still probably is traumatic though uh, for a kid to watch that, you know. Yeah, as, yeah, very as traumatic. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: <coughs> uh, mm. You know, with the special coming out, it's it's. Uh, I'm a little wary. You know, I had a sister of mine say like. You know, I didn't necessarily want all that stuff out in public. There's a saying like, once a uh, a, a a family has a writer, in the the family's ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, once there's a writer in the family, the family's effectively over. I don't. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. overstated. Even but the, even the person that wrote Police Academy, even the person that wrote half Baked, <laughs> I can go one for one. Um, uh, and you're talking, of course, about Neil Israel. I'm kidding. I think I can't remember if he wrote that. I think he did though. Um, the, uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't want the, my, what's a confession about my family to, uh, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. So I'm a
0: bit like, Ugh. but you don't talk about any of your siblings.
1: No, but yeah. I, but maybe my brothers and sisters don't want their colleagues to know that my father was a violent alcoholic, you know? Um, which is I gotta, again, I know, I know, yeah. I know I'm, it's my story. I'm allowed to tell it, but there's yeah. a part of me that's a little bit like, I understand. I understand.
0: You know? that makes, um, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, and then there's also part of me that like, because they don't, um, necessarily have the same, didn't process it the same way that, um, I feel like a baby, you know, I feel like a, I feel like a, a baby in that um, that, because of how I'm processing it and how I'm talking about it. Um, So I'm a bit like about that too. I've actually blocked a few words on Twitter. I'm not going to say what they are because I don't want people to circumvent them. But, but like, I just don't want those words in reference to the special. Uh, I don't want to hear people you're blank. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I don't, so, um, so, and is your dad still alive? No, he uh, died in the third mic <laughs> in the second mic in the third. No, the third thing is about him dying. So uh, he died. Uh, Why do I not
0: remember that? I must have been jacking
1: off at that point. Yeah, I don't know how you don't remember that. Hmm. Um, But uh, uh, the, okay, so, you know, whatever. So he died. And uh, so he's been dead three, four years now.
0: Okay. Um give me some some uh vignettes from childhood that you think are kind of emblematic.
1: I don't you know I have some of course but like the my recollection of childhood is like it's so fucking lonely. I don't know if anybody else feels that way but like it's like there's certain movies that can that have captured it like there's a movie called a uh, uh you me and everyone we know came up probably 10 years ago um Miranda July directed it and wrote it but uh but there's certain things of like you don't know anything you have no power you have no money you're stuck uh people are explaining the world to you the world doesn't make sense everyone's already accepted it and you're sort of like wait why is this things people act like like uh, the whole thing to me was just kind of confusing and baffling and like, like, man. Yeah. So, uh, vignettes of, well, let me, they're, they're you know, there are 10, 10, of us. Um, and, uh, they would work, they would move out. Obviously I was the youngest. So they, they, we, they rarely did we, I don't think we lived all 10 together for very long. Um, my parents were pretty rough about once you turned 18 and went to college, like get out of here. Um, they needed the space. <laughs> um, and, um, but so, but I had brothers, we would play a lot of sports. We'd compete a lot. We'd fuck around. Like my brother, Tommy was a really great brother. He used to take me to, he worked at like for in Chicago. He worked for the bulls and the cubs and the sports team. So I'd go to all those games. Uh, that was great. But, uh, are you looking
0: for like a painful like anything that kind of informs who you are or was a, a kind of a snapshot of um, who uh, your issues today back back then? I mean, I feel like I get a picture of um, what the 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 trauma was, but you know, a, a snapshot of the trauma is I think fine the too. the trauma,
1: the, the, uh, the trauma there, there, all right. I would like to say that there were, it was funny and fun. And like Tommy mm-hmm. was really funny and Kevin was really funny. And, um, uh, I think traumatic stuff was like, you know, my dad, sort of the, vi- the, 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 the specter of violence is really, uh, overwhelming, like the the potential for always feeling like you may be next um, is uh, really
0: potent. Was it there when he wasn't drinking?
1: Yeah, he was just a, he was one of those, like, he was just a, he was just an aggravated, he shouldn't have had kids. It's one of those things where, like, he shouldn't have had them. Like yeah. he didn't like us. He didn't like, he didn't love us and he didn't like us. Like we
0: annoyed him. Uh, oh, I remember now that the thing that you shared was so profound. Can you share it again? Which Which one? The gift that you got.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing when it, oh yeah. Like he basically said, uh, uh, like toward the end of his life, I said, you didn't love us. I don't think, yeah, I feel like you didn't love us. And he was like, you're right. I didn't which was great because it was like, fucking thank you. I didn't think you loved... <laughs> I knew it. Like, because you, as a as a person, you're like, but I don't think my dad loved me. People are like, oh, of course he didn't. No, I'm pre- No, he didn't. Like, you can tell. Like, it's elemental. It's like, you know, you can feel love from somebody. You can feel... That's the thing about being a human is you can feel all this shit. It's like a buddy of mine made the observation a long time ago where he said, uh, he's like, he said somebody it was a long story but he's like people know when we don't like them like we he knew like i know when someone doesn't like me and they know when i don't like i don't hide it well um so so yeah so he didn't like us and he didn't love us and and my mother was overwhelmed and and she was just as scared as anybody and he never really hit her uh but there was certainly like it was she was just that the the three M's of codependency, manipulation, martyrdom and management. Um, and, uh, so she was just sort of stuck. They finally got divorced once I left. They wanted to make sure I knew what a horrible relationship looked like. (laughs) Like they were like, literally, okay, you good. All right, we're going to end this now. (laughs) You're not coming back. All right, we're going to, yeah, we're going to wrap this up. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so he didn't like, and it was just a, it was just shitty. It was just a shitty, he in when i when we moved to Philadelphia, he had a job in New York and he used to work up there during the week and It was fucking great when he wasn't around. It was great, um it was like freedom um it was like oh man, this could be this like if this were family, but there was always this feeling of like doesn't it suck that we have to live like this, like with my mm-hmm. mother and sister who lived there with us like it just was like it sucks that we have to wait for him to leave for us to be sort of nice and and, and was that something and that peaceful? was vo- voiced among yourselves uh that it was great when he wasn't around yeah kind of yeah yeah i think we went to therapy twice as a family and uh and i think i may have voiced it. i was always the did he go to the therapy with yeah you? he did yeah. um i was i became like the the opposition leader where because i was kind of precocious and and, uh, and. Did you dress as little Lord Fauntleroy? I did. <laughs> of course I did. Um, what kind of stupid question, you know, I think, um, yeah. So I was like the lead, I was like the, he would like, he knew that what I would saying, what I was saying had some validity. Cause I was like, you know, like I said, I was precocious and all that stuff. So, uh, I was able to sort of take little shots at him. Um, but it's just a shitty way to, it's a shitty way to, to, uh, it's a shitty way to live. Like, I talking about it now, I'm still, like, PTSD-ish. I don't know what PTSD... That's, again, I don't know if I'm feeling sorry for myself or these are all real things that I'm in touch with, but it feels like... I've had a bunch of therapists you know, say I have PTSD. From, you know,
0: there's, yeah. there's no way it could not be PTSD. Yeah. And it's all the stories that I've heard, all the therapists I've talked to... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. it Yeah. And people can get PTSD from things that are way less overt right, than what you experienced. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always like to say it's the feelings that are left in their wake that matter. It's not the event. Right. It's not the event. Yeah. Um, your dad probably suffered from depression, I would imagine.
1: I. That's the thing is, like, he su- I'm sure he suffered from all of it. Like, that's the... Like, he's one of 13 kids. Like, he had a fucking really way worse than my upbringing like 13 kids and like immigrant parents broke the depression his twin died like I actually lay it out like I don't like you know I tried a joke once and I didn't like the show was going so I couldn't really like do triage on it but the thing of how far back does this go it probably goes back to uh almost prehistoric times it's like how far back like uh, ireland potato famine drinking like you know where there wasn't a lot of warmth human warmth didn't even really start until like the 50s like the thing that yo you're by the way you're supposed to be warm and kind and loving to people Mm. so it didn't really start until then in terms of as we know it now yeah. Um. So you know how far back it goes, I have no fucking idea. But, but and so I wouldn't know where to begin in terms of like, hey, mm. <laughs> be nice. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I think it's it's what I'm asking for is. So I'm in the. I'm so now it's like, what do you? Have, are you married with kids or anything? No yeah. kids. No kids. It ends here. Yeah. <laughs> the the madness ends now. Never wanted kids. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um. And uh, because. Are you? Were you worried about being equipped?
0: Um, that that thought did occur to me, but mostly it's just never something I desired. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird when you try yeah. to explain that to people?
1: We're like, I don't... I, there are things I desire, and that has never come up. Like the desire to do stand-up or the desire... Any of these things that we do, uh, and people... I feel a little like a bit of a like antisocial or, you know what I mean? Or like there's, so, it's not, easy here in
0: Los Angeles yeah, in the sure. creative arts though, yeah. to, to be childless. Yeah, for sure. But easier. I should yeah, say, for sure. It.
1: Uh, but it's, yeah, but it's, I still feel like there's a tiny stigma to yeah. it where people are like, why don't you wanna, especially if you're mm-hmm. dating. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I feel like, yeah, I've never had the desire. And then you get into like, well, why not? It's like, well, cause I don't feel like I know, my dad shouldn't have had kids his dad probably shouldn't have had kids like there's hmm. like maybe I'm not supposed to have kids like there's no the problem with kids is there's no qualifications it requires fucking nothing and then you and then you like take the take like here's all my garbage mm-hmm. I share it with you my son <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know yeah so I'm, I'm not interested either with kids but that's and i feel like that's a responsible choice yeah uh and um but it still feels like somehow i'm it's 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 so responsible but i think there are people who would think like isn't it it, it's but come on don't you wanna it's like no I, i don't it's not it would be negligent
0: this isn't like trying a new restaurant
1: agreed like, there's no... And the thing I don't like about kids is you can't say it sucks. I don't like anything where you can't say this sucks. Um, and, uh, and that's one of them. You can't, because then you're an asshole. So let me just... I think I know it's going to suck. There's also a thing of, like, there are guys that, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I think that's what I want. Like, Shanling. Or, I want to die like Gary. Uh, like, uh, Shanling or Bill Maher or any of these guys. Where I'm like, I feel like that's the way... I would like to go where I just like no nah, I don't, never got married never had kids like mm-hmm. nothing no offense no I don't want but, to but I think that's part of the way I want to go yeah. and as a result of you know because I, I also don't know if how equipped any of my brothers and sisters are like for it I think they all do their best but mm-hmm. uh, I think that I think it's incredibly difficult and and I think that uh, I don't know. I And people go, you'd be a good dad. It's like, yeah, that's fine. I bet I would be. I bet I'd be really fucking frustrated, though. I get frustrated with my dog easily. Like, I can't, you know. And he's not going to pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to have to try to undo that for the rest of his life. In his, in his 20s and 30s. He's not going to spend his 20s and 30s <laughs> trying to undo the damage I've done to him. At <laughs> the beginning of
0: his life. Oh my god. So so what uh are the issues that you struggle with uh the most? Uh codependency. Uh.
1: Um codependency with uh girlfriends partners, um uh, partners th- meaning uh business partners? Yeah, writing okay. business partners, yeah. Um and uh and codependent I think codependency and anger. I think are my big things. And, uh, I just finally like did some anger stuff. Um, with, I went to, I I went to a class. It was shitty. And then, Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, having been to different 12 step groups and support groups, um, I, uh, There's a, there's a, a, I, I've, I've had a hard time balancing what is setting a boundary and what is, um, uh, I, I I read something that I wrote in my notebook yesterday, like I I wrote it a long time ago where it said like, I built, if you build four boundaries, you'll find yourself in a janitor's closet. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how I feel. It's like where what is boundaries and what is isolating defen- yeah. yeah and i still don't know uh how to balance that i have a really really hard time with that like i don't know what's standing up for myself and what's being a defensive uh obstructionist isolator push a, a pusher a pusher away of people mm-hmm. um i don't know and so that's been hard. Is is there a
0: place or people that you regularly open up to emotionally?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty yes podcast listeners. <laughs> uh I've and and audiences. Uh yeah, no, there I don't I'm not one of these I, I don't I'm pretty good about like or or good in quotes. I'm I'm pretty open about my emotional stuff. Obviously if you see the show and and, and um and you talk to me like I like I love talking about this stuff like I find it I think it's the only thing worth talking about I couldn't agree more I know Paul that's why I'm here (laughs) um and uh and so I don't have a hard time what I have a hard time with is saying exactly what I want um and because I'm afraid that it's antisocial or it's uh, not romantic or it's so I, I have a really hard time. You afraid that people are going to call you selfish? Yep. Yeah. Me too. And so I end
0: up pushy.
1: Yeah. I end up just going along, going along, going along and
0: finally exploding. I, that that makes sense to me. I think that's a good way to go. Yeah, you've you've based your whole life around it. As long as the explosion is turned into a show. Yes, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Um by a show you mean yelling at her at a restaurant, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Well,
0: but you're doing jazz
1: hands <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> uh um so Yeah, so I have a really hard time balancing it and I find my and I haven't gotten I've been in relationships for twenty years and I think I've gotten maybe fifteen percent better at it. What's the uh, longest uh, relationship? Two and a half years. Like I, okay. the, I can do it. It's have you the, lived
0: with somebody? Yeah. Yet?
1: It's the mm-hmm. hard work and the, all that stuff. Like I just find that it's like I, I cannot figure it out. I can't figure out how to be have the kind of life I want to have and also be uh, selfless and generous and and um, and uh romantic and a good boyfriend. I just yeah. find it really—it's like really... the balance
0: between freedom and commitment. That's yeah, where where is that?
1: Yeah, I don't. Where I, is I, that? I, I truly. I they. There's a part of me that thinks they're maybe mutually exclusive. Yeah. As a married person, you may have found the secret to it, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a
0: ongoing. I, uh, I think it requires independence on both people's uh, part. As certainly just merely as a starting point and then a ton of other things. You know, I think an ability to communicate your needs. Yeah. uh, To have boundaries, to disagree uh, diplomatically. Um, Yeah, I think. But it's um, work. Yeah. It's work. Yeah, I
1: think. um, uh, Yeah, and it's really, I find it. More difficult than anything. Do you find yourself? Because I have an inherent, sorry, I have an okay. inherent distrust of my own needs. I-, I feel like my needs are not valid. Wow, that's that's um,
0: that's such a profound um, insight that I think so many of us relate to. And just the way that you say that. Say that one more time. I want to know. I have exactly. a.
1: Per- I have a- Deep distrust of my own needs. I I I, distr- I don't trust them. I have a hard time tuning into them yeah. without questioning them, without questioning them before I even bring them up. Like, S- if you want, it's like, Neil, if you want that, that means you are blank. That means you're antisocial. Uh, you're being, uh, you're isolating. You're, um, you're an asshole. Do you beat yourself up when you uh, back out of plans? I mean do you back up talk of plans? about something that LA loves LA has set up a nice uh a really nice system for backing out of plans
0: <laughs> um uh, they have a whole infrastructure I have a backing out of plans person that does it for <laughs> me
1: <laughs> I felt awful last night because we were supposed <laughs> to do this and I got a migraine and I'm like this is like a fucking horrible excuse for why I can't come to your podcast
0: tonight yeah. but I truly had a migraine the fact that you texted me personally though um uh made me uh believe it yeah made me like you i was like uh you know a lot of people because this this was uh arranged through uh neil's publicist um and i had been wanting to get you as a as a guest actually for a a a year or so and um most people would have done it through well i know from doing a podcast like the Booking is a fucking
1: nightmare. So I was just like, let me just, and I didn't want to email her. And then you like, mm-hmm. I was just like, here, I have your number. You're Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not the idea of me having a publicist. I have a publicist for two months during the special. Like, I don't like, Oh my hand. Have you spoken to my lawyer? Like, I, mean, I don't, that's embarrassing. Uh, so then why did we have to draw something up? <laughs> well, that's whatever you need to speak to her. Uh, that's between my lawyer and you. That's not, we don't talk about that. Um, Uh, I didn't draw something up. You and my lawyer did. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like, so the idea of 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 having, I felt bad about having a like like having. uh, There are few things I don't feel guilt about. You know what I mean? Like there are, and so that's the thing of like, so in a relationship it becomes extra difficult to, like even. I'm already doubting it. Bef- I'm already questioning my needs before they have, because I'm I'm uh, so judgmental of my own needs.
0: So would you say that that um, that extends to an even broader issue of you question the validity of your feelings?
1: yeah i i i brought that up fifteen minutes ago you know what i mean like i right. brought that up like yes I don't know if I'm allowed to feel uh the way th- the way i i don't know if I'm allowed to feel the way i feel like that's the the bot like in all aspects that's what's nice about stand up is like you can finally you want to talk about like the explosion mm mm-hmm. Like, that is the, that's the finally, that's the final
0: um, response. But what I'm asking is, extending to situations that don't involve other people. Like, is it valid for me to be feeling sad right now when I have blank, blank, blank yes, going my on father my father was life. a
1: violent alcoholic. Is it okay that I feel shitty about it? Or am I being a baby because there are people that had it worse? You know? I had a friend of mine who, who, uh, he's, he's, uh, black and he said, I talk in the show, I talk about the, my dad's will and writing me out of it and all that stuff. And he goes, you know, black people don't have wills, just so you know. So kind of saying like, you're not, the fact that you're talking about this, first of all, saying that black people don't have wills is a massive overgeneralization. But, uh, but also, so he was like, his message was, you know, you're feeling sorry for yourself and it's like, okay, well, so you, because there are people that have it worse than you, can you have no, right? If, if you grew up poor, but you won't have any, any, you won't have any empathy for yourself because, there are people that grew up poor or there were people that grew up poor yeah. and where their father died. Or they were poor and they got molested or there there's
0: always this this hierarchy of pain and, and that yeah and that and is And it's like what, where does that end? And that is one of the worst hurdles you can put for yourself. Yeah, maybe in terms of uh you know, bringing up at a restaurant with uh, all of those people um who had it worse than you and yeah. going on and on about it. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's how well, you- that's the thing about the show is like, mm-hmm.
1: there is a part of me that's like, am I being a fucking baby? You're not. And me. then I think about, but again, that's coming from a guy who's deep into the, into into this world, yeah. into self-empathy. Mm-hmm. You're having, that's your kink, right? Self-empathy? <laughs> uh, that's your get off is like, yeah. oh, I'm super into self-empathy. Yeah. Um, and uh, the thing that, the, the thing about the money and the will and all that stuff, I, that's nonsense. The... Saying uh, having a father say I didn't love you—that's like well, even if you grew up in the f- fucking the in a in a in a landfill in India, that's pretty. That hurts every that people get. That's universal. Like needing a parent parent's love is pretty. Like eh, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um. So I I have given myself a, a pass on that, or or I should say. I, I don't judge myself. I when I judge myself that's eventually hopefully when I that's hope where I end up when I'm when I'm having these conversations in my head. Um so uh,
0: Yeah. Talk about uh either the anger or uh the depression. Which one would you like to even although I guess so often they go together. At the same time, yeah, I guess the with thing the code depression, dependency. is anger turn yeah. inward. Yeah, the problem is
1: if you haven't figured out a way to turn it outward in a way that's constructive, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 a, you're fucking between a rock and a hard place because you're like, okay, I don't know what to. By the way, if you're listening, the woman in our in the background is. Um, in the middle of a passionate conversation about Alex. Um, uh,
0: <laughs> this is uh, one, one of the downsides of us having to push the recording uh, yeah. of this yeah. is uh, I normally record it. Well, my fake it. migraine. Um,
1: uh, so I, the thing that I learned about anger was most anger um, is just saying, hey, I'm important. Almost every outburst is going, hey, i I'm important. You're acting like I'm not important and that I'm irrelevant and I'm uh, I'm showing you that I'm uh, important by screaming or uh, usually it's it's uh, I'm not important or I'm trying to teach you a lesson. And the lesson is about I'm important. <laughs> uh, don't you da- like even honking a horn to me. When people honk the horn, it's like, are you, are you teaching me right now? Are you teaching me that... <laughs> Even a gentle tap when you haven't gone in the light screen? <laughs> That's... A gentle tap... I, You know what's nice? I have a... I have a uh, my car has, like, a... Has the horn, but it also has a little, like... Like, it has a little, like, secondary, like... A little, like, reminder one. The reminder's fine. It's when people, like, do the long yes. honk when you cut them off or whatever of, like... I'm when you I'm, send them into a ditch and they're yeah, whining I, about it. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? When you cut yes. someone off or you do something, they're, they're going and they give you the long hog, It's like, Hey, don't do that yeah. for next time. This I'm tea okay. This is it. Uh, this school's in session and you're in trouble. Uh One So the- that's what I learned is like it, but it is hard. It's the, it's that the, the, the split second decision to,
0: get angry that's where the that's where the rubber meets the road and i think that's why it's so important to uh, have a sense of self but how to a healthy sense of self but that's to me one of the most difficult things especially when you weren't fully seen as a child Mm -hmm. uh yeah that's the thing
1: of like when you grew up in an alcoholic home it's uh your needs are not, you know. I say in the show, it's like that. You know, we we all kind of came to the conclusion that that that, that we should just minimize our feelings as much as possible, so as not to call attention to ourselves. But you do that long enough, and your feelings kind of atrophy. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt like, you know now my feelings have still kind of I'm still like uh, trying to figure out like is this a rational Mm -hmm. response to this situation Mm -hmm. and and it is hard it's I still don't know it's hard minute to
0: minute like is this what what's the healthy response to this because it's almost like you were you were parented by a need for peace at any cost
1: yeah you know what I mean
0: that that's that was the elephant in the room that that talked to you more than your dad did at least in in i need of, for peace is putting it
1: kindly. I think it's fear is the bigger yeah. is the bigger issue I think a need t- just to to uh not not call attention to yourself to uh first of all, there wasn't a ton i mean I got a lot of attention relative to some of my brothers and sisters because I got it from them because I was the youngest, but I think, uh, you know, there's just not a ton of, um, it's, uh, it was a resource issue. It's 10 kids. There was a, there was a point where I broke my arm one time and, uh, outside and I used to cry a lot and I came in, uh, crying and my mom said, what's wrong now? Which to me is like okay, uh, I'm sure she wishes she didn't say that, but yeah. like, but but that's a kind of indicative of a certain type of a certain tenor of the house. Like mm-hmm. like I was the sort of the crier because I feel like I was the one. Like I said, I felt like is this really? I felt like I was crying for everybody. Where I'm like, is this really what this what this is like? Like this is the system we're going with. Like yeah. this. The 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 family and home system
0: we're going with because this is a shitty system. Um, give give me some um, things, be they moments or observations uh, about being raised in a house where there's ten kids. You know, put put your dad's alcoholism and anger aside. Just addressing being one of ten things that that people who weren't raised in a large family don't realize this is something that
1: there uh yeah it's hard cuz there's part of I, I I there was the idea of it like fun with my brothers and sisters and like all funny people and there's uh, like a gallows humor that goes along with that in and of itself um you know it's like growing up in a system it's like it's a lot of it's logistics and like there, I have a thing in in my mother that had like the rules written down, like literally like a list of rules and like about chores and, uh, you had to do your chores on Saturday before noon. And if you didn't do them by noon, then you had to do everyone's chores the next week. And there were sandwiches. You had to make sandwiches for the entire week on Sunday nights and there was like a, you know, my mother sandwiches re- for yourself. No, for the uh, no, yeah, for ourselves. for like for uh, for our lunch, we had to make our own. We had to make our lunch for the week on on Sundays, and then put them in the freezer, and then put them in the bag the morning, the Monday to the during weekday it. mornings. You had to be, you know, so you didn't have to do it during the day, and then the but the funny thing is like uh, the the punishment. there was punishment and it was starvation. That was the, if you didn't do it, the starvation, like that was the... Seriously? Yeah. I mean, there was, and again, this is a combination. I mean, not like my, yeah, two of my brothers starved to death. No, like <laughs> uh, it was like North Korea, but um, no, like there was a thing of my, my parents th- growing up in Catholicism, they punishment is like, is like some, it's built into the religion uh, as like noble or like it's built into like, no, that's what you fucking punish people. You, mm-hmm. there needs to be punished. You need to say this many hell might, there needs to be, there, there, it's based on as if, like... As if there's
0: no other consequence.
1: No, there, that, all that makes consequences sense. have to be punishment. There has to be punishment uh because Jesus was punished and the the that's the whole basis of religion is like mm. you an ass whipping yeah. like that's that. so I've, I've explained it to my mother as an adult been like you know that that's the way your brain works of like there ha- and because my brain works the same way because i was grown up in with that frame like there has to be you have to be stingy and then if if there's any access you have to be punitive um the uh stingy in what way like you know, don't be gluttonous. I see. Um, the, the, like, all right, so we. we Keep all, your needs very small. Yes. Uh, again, that's godliness. That's like, that's, you have to be ascetic and you have to be like a nun. Um, uh, we had to do our, we did our laundry. We had a laundry machine and dryer in the house. And, and, uh, so if you left your clothes in the washer, um, they would be put on top of the washer not in the dryer and kind of help you along Mm. they'd be put on top of the washer and then if you left them on top of the washer too long she'd throw them into the basement on like coal on like some cobwebby cement and if you left them in the basement too long she would confiscate the clothing (laughs) and one year I'm not kidding my sister for Christmas got her old clothes back
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: she got. I remember a friend we we grew up in Wilmette, which is like a wealthy suburb. There were so many of us that like we grew up in these like that we needed the facilities. Uh, but my, a friend of mine's a friend of my sister's friend, got a BMW, and my sister got her old clothes back <laughs> and a fire ladder because she was on a, a high floor of the house. She was on the third floor. We had a three story house. There were so many of us. And uh, she got a ladder to climb down, <laughs> which is just what I, I. That's like indicative of like people are like, you grew up in welding. And I'm like, yeah, but it didn't. We were like, we might as well have been in the depression. We might as well, it was like the same. Uh, uh, the mo
0: was oh, straight out of the depression. Emotional poverty, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And and you know, one of my hopes is as as our society learns to open up more emotionally is it is it people understand the difference between financial and material yeah. privilege and, yeah. and emotional well, privilege.
1: I, the problem is probably that is it's hard to, um, show people that money doesn't, it's like money. We get completely conflicting messages where it's like money won't make you happy. Meanwhile, here's, Fifty commercials about shit you don't need but will want, and you better work hard to get the. You know, you got to work hard, and you got to get the money, you got to get the stuff. So, and I think it's it's far outweighs the message of like, hey, money won't make you happy. Uh, I normally
0: don't talk about the 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 business mm-hmm. side of mm-hmm. of this, but I feel like maybe it's. Appropriate in in this case, if you're comfortable talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, when Dave decided to not continue with mm-hmm. Chappelle's show, mm-hmm. um, because that would have been, I imagine, a huge payday for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you are you comfortable talking yeah. about that and emotionally and, and logistically yeah. what that was like and the logistics were and, and if you would fill people in
1: that, that yeah we would me and Dave it. Chappelle uh create Chappelle show together we'd write it together he'd be in the stuff I'd I'd direct a lot of it or produce it at least and edit it and whatever it was like very very much like um handmade uh and um and then he left after two seasons we got big contracts and he left and uh the 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 i mean that was the hard part was the emotional part was like the um the emotional part of prior to him leaving was there was a big negotiation and um we were sort of played against each other and which i knew we would be and uh i was sort of given a value uh that i would say was uh was less than fair mm-hmm. um and and it was really painful from like a friendship stance and a professional stance mm-hmm. um and the, probably the worst certainly the worst professional thing i've dealt with but so so the idea of like him leaving and then all the money getting washed away is true and I still did fine. Um, but, but it was the, it was prior to that, that it like that it was sort of given a, just being in a position where my friend got to kind of put a value amount of someone else's money, which is the other thing of like, it's not even your money, dude. Um, that was painful. Um, and, have you ever talked to him about that? Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely. And like, you know, he would just, he would plead sort of pressure or, or, uh or, there was never a thing of like, uh, you know, uh, there was never a thing of like, uh well, that's how I value you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there was never, there was never, it never, it never, it was never expressed as clearly as that. Um, But, uh, but that, it, that is, you know what I mean? And once you know that it's hard to um, be, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to to feel the same, Mm -hmm. you know? And, but that's the danger of doing business with your friends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like that's just the danger of it. Like that's the there's a real beauty there was a real beauty to the work. Mm-hmm. Um and we worked I when he hosted Tiny Live, I worked on it with him. And
0: uh So you're friendly today? Yeah,
1: yeah. We're still yeah, we're friends. And yeah. and uh but there was like I want to help him. I want him to do well. Mm-hmm. Like but I think vice versa. Like he was helpful with three mics, like he came Saw it three times and he let me use a quote of his on the poster and stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. so I think that we, we root for each other. Mm-hmm. I think with that, it just was too, it was too, uh, it just got too hairy. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just a, it was a hard, uh, situation for, our personalities types Mm. to in terms of like, you know, I, people always want to know who wrote what. And we made a deal when we wrote half baked together, like fucking 20 years ago. Um, not to say, cause I knew, because if people, when people ask that they want to know, they want to discount one of you. They want to go who, who really, uh, uh, in fact, like there was a thing on Instagram where, I wrote I posted a thing about something I wrote at, at SNL f- with Dave uh whatever. So I had, like literally the piece of paper that and so I was like did you write that or did Dave write that still. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. yeah man, he's still bringing me or he's still asking me to help him because uh just from <laughs> fucking <laughs> superstition. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you people are still like did you huh? um so we, and the reason we I knew that it wouldn't help who wrote to say who wrote what was because it would hurt if I wrote it, it would hurt his feelings mm-hmm. uh if people knew that, mm-hmm. and if he wrote it, it would hurt my feelings to have people know like right. so there is a certain amount- amount of uh like sort of friendly. Not, I'd say it's more than friendly, like brotherly sort of protection. Right. Um, but there's also a certain amount of, uh, elbows. You know what mm. I mean? Um, uh,
0: let's, let's talk about that anger. Um, yeah. give me some ugly moments of your, your anger.
1: Uh, probably the most recent one was, The one that made me go to an anger management class was like I'd done, I had a, I was writing a show for a a network and, and, uh, and I'd gone through a few rounds of notes and, and then long story short, I got contradictory notes from two different people one the guy above it didn't know that the guy below him gave notes mm-hmm. and then he was like no i want these notes meanwhile so it was like four five six months of me writing and waiting and writing and waiting and so finally on the phone i was like dude stop fucking with me um and i'd said it in a pretty direct angry way mm-hmm. and the show was effectively dead the minute i said that I mean, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, they didn't say, this, okay, well, this is, this was a fun time yeah, right? and you're too uh, honest and vitriolic to work with. So we're going to, I did another draft and then they finally were like, we're picking a pass. Uh, but it was basically that one of those things of like, oh, okay, well we can't work with this guy. Um, Greg Fitzsimmons always says you can't, nothing will deplete your, your, uh, Sort of reputational bank account, like a just yelling, so you just can't do it. And I've gotten, you know, I'll get mad. I got got mad at girlfriends, never, but like, you know, yell like with the you know, with yelling in an argument or whatever. But most, I think the professional ones are the ones that that I regret the most because it's never sort of. Uh, mutual Mm -hmm. Uh, it's in when you're in a fight in a relationship i think yelling is not acceptable but it's understandable because it's mutual and you're both yelling Mm -hmm. um but for uh for in a professional way i was thinking today there was a we would uh draw you know on Chappelle's show there was it's like you need to make fake magazines and stuff for people in scenes. Mm-hmm. And I had them make up a, uh, magazine called angry Brennan digest, angry, what angry Brennan digest. <laughs> uh, and it was a picture of me like with my, uh, like just mad, like they found of me. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I didn't yell that much, but I think there was a palpable thing of like, I was capable of it. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think that's, I think you can be angry without, um, yelling. Mm Um, and I think, uh, you can have a sort of your, your, uh, your guitar strings can be tuned to anger. I think you can like, even if you're just walking around, you can be strong in a way that people are like, oh, he's going to get, this is the guy that not to fuck with this guy.
0: Like, um. Like Unfortunately, people, people that, who are very short. Uh, yes. you know, that's yeah. usually a cue of okay, yeah. the fuse has been lit.
1: Yes. And that's the I will say that I've gotten that is something that I think I've gotten better with is I don't get um the mm-hmm. last year and a half, I think I've directed a bunch of TV commercials and that I like cuz it's short term and uh and they're all they're all, it's, I don't, because it's not my thing that I'm protecting, I'm pretty like, yeah, I'm pretty mm. like sanguine about stuff where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine with me. Like, okay, cool. Um, I'm there for them. When it's my stuff, I think I'm more uh protective or more, it's that more thing of like, what about me? Like I'm important. Mm. It's that stating. The like The ego I, comes into it. Yeah, it's ego, but it's also that thing of like, Yeah, like it is a lot of it is ego, but it's also that thing of like growing up and making yourself invisible and then being in a situation where you're like, I'm visible. And I always say that that I feel like I tend to, if something needs to be said at a volume knob of three, I'll say it at nine because uh, I think one of the reasons is because. I grew up... I was the youngest, so I had to say... I had to, like... Ah! Hey, ah! Huh, huh. I had to, like, rise above... I did... It's like you needed a big... I understand, like, the... It's especially sports... It's internet me- media and sports media where it's, like, a hot take. I know the value of a hot take growing up in a, at a dinner mm-hmm. table with 12 people. It's like you need a hot take to... uh Rise above the din. Yes. To, yeah. To, you need clicks. <laughs> I understand <Yeah. laughs> getting clicks. I mean, back in the '80s, we just called um, attention, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I understand the the that the inherent desire for for that thing, but that <laughs> certainly is an anger. The it's this thing of the anger thing, and I think a lot of uh, some of the anger that I unleashed, or or was certainly. You know, had a had an open carry. Uh, I had a holster oh, <laughs> on the outside of my vest uh, because it was like t- I wanted. Because half baked had turned out in a way that Dave and I didn't like. Uh, I wanted to make sure that, like, no, 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 no. Every single decision has to be signed off by me or him. So mm-hmm. don't like, d- you know, don't don't touch that. <laughs> So it's born from a real thing, but it becomes a matter of how do you apply it, and and I think that there's I've gotten better. I think of in at, um, uh, you know, being smart about it or being measured.
0: What, uh, for instance, one of the ways that I have learned to uh, channel my express my anger. Uh, in a healthy way is to, when I find myself wanting to yell, is is taking a deep breath and saying, um, "I'm really really frustrated right now, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I don't know what to say, um, but I'm just I I don't want to be a dick, but I'm just really really frustrated, yeah. and a lot of times that. Gives the other person enough space to um, maybe reflect and to have to not get immediately defensive or completely shut down and not express what it is that they're thinking or feeling.
1: Yeah, it's like, I'm not, I don't want to start this before this starts. Like, this is a trigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fucking word triggers really had a. Had a had a renaissance the last year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a this is a we're entering into. There's some saber rattling going on, and sh- am I? I used to feel like no. I it's that's another thing of like when is a when is a boundary? Can you lay a boundary down peacefully, um, or do you need to be like rah, do you need to scream the boundary? Um, are, are you? asking that or are you know that uh, that's the a, thing okay. that i don't i have a hard time with of oh like, okay because I, I like I was like yeah. is that a really a question no, like yeah. that's okay. the that's the thing i have had that's a hard time with. like with yeah. the people who are giving me notes i could have said yeah. i don't this feels i don't i'm 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 this is upsetting because i feel like i've done work in one direction mm. now you're telling me to do a u-turn and it's like etc i could have done it in a completely
0: constructive way. The th- the thing that I find difficult about taking that deep breath and and saying I'm frustrated instead of saying something mean or cutting mm-hmm. or raising my voice is there's there's about a 5 second um just moment where I have to keep the lava inside. And there was it's another thing that I'm remembering
1: from one of the books I read, which is when you're headed toward conflict, many of us have never seen conflict resolved peacefully the way we grew up or whatever in the world. So it's hard to see that there's another way and you feel like, well, fuck it. Conflict means war. So here's everything. Here, let's, all my ammo. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say the loudest thing, the most cutting thing, the most insulting thing, as quickly as possible. Uh, I'm gonna try to annihilate you and teach you a lesson. But the, but in truth, it's because I've never seen things peacefully resolved. I don't even know that that's a thing that you can do, um, and that's a thing that you need to remember. When, in the, I don't even think it's five seconds for me. It's not five seconds. It's literally, maybe it's. Second and a half tops, and, and we don't see it
0: modeled ever in the media. No, in, no. I don't see it modeled in TV. I don't see it modeled in, in well, if, movies. Well, it doesn't.
1: It's not narratively friendly. It's not a uh, 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 peaceful resolution. It's not. You can't build a movie around peaceful resolution or t- But you could have a, a moment
0: of 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 something. Uh, I think. Well, where... Rocky,
1: Rocky Two, <laughs> the end where they're in the gym him and Carl Weathers and they do the freeze frame on them fighting <laughs> their peaceful fight. So there's one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there are, there are some, but there, you're a hundred, you're, there is no, it's not narratively pleasing. And,
0: and certainly for men, um, it's, it is considered still uh, in our society a
1: weak. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned this before, that there are no, there's not a lot of good modeling for, 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 for leadership with men. The only like leadership men see growing up is like military and sports. Mm -hmm. And that's like, yeah, get your fucking ass. Like there's no like, Hey, I was thinking, okay, great. Like there's no, there's no, the, the, the model is general Patton Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, or, or Bobby Knight or whomever pick your, who, whoever your screamer is. Um, so there is, there's not a lot of uh positive modeling. And, and then with my, in my case, my dad was a screamer and a, and a slammer and a, and a, a spaz, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, that's a thing that I have to, um, I, you know, it's almost on a daily basis.
0: What What have you learned so far in uh, anger management class? Well, that
1: stuff, that thing of like, it's all it's the 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 origin of these things is like I've never seen things, um, uh, you know, resolve peacefully. So I don't I I any any sign of conflict, and I go to DEFCON one like immediately. And I would imagine that is related to PTSD. Potentially, yeah, Yeah. potentially. But it's also this thing of, like, you look forward to vanquishing your folks. You get to teach them a lesson about how strong you are and how tough you are. Because you are, because you mean, you you matter. And I'm going to prove to you I
0: matter by screaming at you and belittling you. Um, So... Which also in a romantic relationship is so counterintuitive if you think about it, because you're trying to build intimacy with the person. And how helpful is that when you are having a moment where you want to make one of you the victor and the other one the vanquished mm-hmm. in the long term? how How is that helpful? No, it can't, it's intimacy? not. It's counter. It runs counter yeah. to everything that, yeah. that, that a
1: romantic, healthy relationship should be about. And that's the, that's the, that's, there's a guy that does the, who did those studies where he could tell if a couple was going to last from watching five minutes of them together. Really? Um, how they disagreed? Uh, contempt was the word he used. The amount of contempt they showed for each other. Like in certain words, like, yeah, well, this one or she mm-hmm. or like, um, yeah, like the, there is the, the how to, Peacefully, uh, disarm yourself and one another. And there's also the thing of like, when they start yelling, it's like, Oh shit. I happen to have a broken bottle in my jacket. <laughs> Fuck it. Are we doing this? <laughs> Fucking let's go. I've been dying. I wish a motherfucker would yell at me. Cause I'm dying to yell. Um, yeah. Like that's the, uh, that's that's yeah it's that's Mm -hmm. those are the three big things i've learned we're like Mm -hmm. you're trying to teach them a lesson that you matter and you've never seen things result peacefully um so you don't that's all you know it's like it's all you that's that's where you're from
0: Uh, i i'm thinking of a moment uh when i uh went mountain climbing and uh it was in washington state and it was you know through glaciers and all this other shit and it was super super hard and i came back and i was showing a friend of mine the pictures uh and i showed him the picture of me on the summit and he said and when you got to the summit did you find daddy's love (laughs) (laughs) yeah man that's the i'm
1: this is not this is something i've been thinking about a lot actually somebody there was an article in GQ Choir about it was a bunch of stories about Prince uh, Prince the musician and somebody was saying about pressuring him to record or make more songs or hits and he goes and he said I've been to the mountaintop there's nothing there and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately of like this this ambition uh, it's like what am I getting at what, what? am? why am I doing all this stuff like Like I, I know for a fact that it doesn't make me happy. I love the relationships I form in work, in work settings. I fucking, the best relationships I have are through work. And by the way, the worst, uh, but, but, but the idea that somehow I'm, I'm, uh, it's going to make me happy is I know it's not going to. And that's the, any of this stuff, just like it's, I've been meditating for like the last nine months and, and that's the thing of like, it, it's, it's, I don't know what book I read it in, but it's like the, it's, you have to strive for unconditional happiness. Like you have to, because otherwise what are you doing like what are you uh, it's the if then if if I get to the mountain if I get to the top then uh, daddy's yeah. level will be there if then the, I've done all of it for the most part I've done all, all the things I wanted to all the things that a person would want to achieve I can say I've achieved them and and uh, it didn't the happiest moments of my life were like at a silent meditation retreat happier than work and I did this and it is ha- that's the happiest I've been it it makes it so hard to remember though because it we're so bombarded hard. with capitalism and with uh
0: these placebos it's like just fucking it's all a placebo if i can make peace with the present moment and accept the things that i don't have control over and bring principles to the things that i do have control over my life is fucking great right. if i can just if remember that you just that,
1: decide that your life's great it's great yeah do you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: cuz all the things that you're upset unless you're bleeding or <clears throat> in you've got real danger headed your way or something like there's a way that unconditional happiness thing is a real it's 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 to me it's like i've my new mandate for like the last month or two has been like i'm going to pursue happiness the way i pursued comedy success mm-hmm. like cuz i don't care
0: about uh uh all the stuff i've done all the stuff so so how do you because for me that that's a concept that i can't um uh I don't know. Understand or put into action the pursuit of of that. For me, the only place I can, the only way I can get there is letting letting yeah, go. Yeah, the pursuit and then is arrives. a non-pursuit. This pursuit oh, okay. is. I understand.
1: The pursuit is
0: letting go of the pursuit. Just
1: not. It's literally like ah, like I'm I'm extending my arms and I'm mm-hmm. like oh that and that and that and then when I'm meditating and it's going well, I'm literally. There's no outside world. It's just myself mm-hmm. and finding a feeling of of happiness just within me in that moment. So how do you then? That's relative to, and it's not, it's, it's relative
0: to literally nothing. So how do you bring that into the world then? How do you bring Podcast. that into, <laughs> into relationships? I don't, I mean,
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have to.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like that's not my responsibility. My responsibility. No, not for the other person. So that you maintain that while there's chaos going on around you, and people have needs, and you ha- and and you have responsibilities towards them. Um, that to me is the is the challenge.
1: I think. I mean, I, I'm thinking of the week at SNL, and somebody said, like, I can't believe how po- how your level of poise was. Because it was chaotic, at best, and I was like, "It's just the week that Dave hosted." Yeah, this was um, just like a month ago, yeah. two months ago, um, and uh, it was chaotic. And I didn't, I kind of didn't take the bait too much. I certainly didn't take it personally, hmm. um, or, or not as much as I certainly would have. Um, so, so I think that was a moment of like, "No, I, okay, it's okay," like. It's going to be, it's, it's, everything's cool.
0: Now, if you had been having to go on stage, Mm -hmm. would you have been able to let go as easily?
1: If I had to, if I had to host? Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I think I, I certainly think he and I were in different situations. He actually said that um but um but i th- yeah i don't know i i don't know, I think like with when I did three mics and there yeah. I was pretty poised about it, like i was having there's a yeah so so yeah, but like I think that i'm pretty um when it's going well when i'm on when i'm on top of it, mm-hmm. the sort of unconditional happiness thing like I can look at stand up as like in context and have it be like, let's go have fun and be fun. Like just be like in your body and enjoying yourself. Like, cause that's by the way, the show's better. I'm a planner. So I need like sort of bullet points and plans and a recipe and all that stuff. But like, um, but yeah, like that's the,
0: that's how you bring it into the world. There really is nothing, I think, that, um, being in the present moment, not obsessing about the future or the past and just focusing on that, that, that isn't made better by just only focusing on the, what you have right in front of you in terms of doing that task or that, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, anything else that you'd like to, uh, to touch on do you feel like we uh, talked about your depression no but that's okay I don't look
1: I don't that's part of my thing that's part of my my um dossier (laughs) but I don't the thing is with the with three mics coming out I don't want to be like the depression comedian like I don't know like Mm. like meaning I'm not that's part of it it's some shit I deal with and Mm. it's like a chronic low grade thing and deal with it I the thing that that I tried to get across in the show is like it's a real thing and people are not lazy and they're not defense they're not they're not they're not uh, they're not falling prey to it for lack of effort Mm. Um, it's a fucking just pain in the ass it's a chronic pain in the ass for me so um, so yeah like I don't I'm happy not to talk I'm happy to talk about all the rest of it just as much Rodney Dangerfield did a joke there's some Rodney Dangerfield before he found his like style the one liner style he did a thing about depression. And he said, like I would wake up in the morning. And it's at the uh there's a heaviness. And I wake up and I say, Hello, heaviness. And he's and heaviness goes, Hello Rodney, I'm gonna make you a life a living hell today. And it's fucking amazing bit. Because it's so mm-hmm. it's so like not punchy. Uh but but yeah, it's just like a thing that's yes. there and
0: like uh it's just about management. Andrew Solomon uh, has a great line. He said, "The opposite of depression isn't happiness; it's vitality." Yeah, that's like, great. That is, that yeah. nails it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, I say in the show, it's not life threatening; it's life dampening. It's like ugh. yeah, it's like a
0: weighted vest. The it's color like, gets sucked out.
1: It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh,
0: Three Mike's debuts January seventeenth. 17th. January seventeenth. 17th, uh, it's it's fantastic. I uh, I hope you're uh as proud of it as uh, I would imagine. You uh are capable. Are capable of Yeah, I'm like I I there are times... I'm uh,
1: I'm at once mortified that like cuz there's I'm like leaving myself so open to criticism. I'm like you fucking pussy, you couldn't do an hour stand up. That's Why what makes you- it great. Though. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the... like so there's that, and then there's part of me that's like it's so revealing of like just saying I'm a star fucker. It's just like oh my god, this is so excruciating. Oh, we didn't even get into embarrassing. that embarrassing. So fucking, it's like a real character flaw, and uh, and um, and then being knowing that if someone else did it, I'd be like jealous. So yeah. I'm happy that I did. I'm happy I thought of it. And I'm happy that I did it yeah. and did it. Uh, uh, I think. As in terms of a creative endeavor, I think it's like a good, like...
0: Risky, but... Uh, risky, but like it's a strike, if right. that makes sense. Like I yeah. threw a strike. I, I, I completely agree. And um, I won't ask you to talk about the Starfucker thing because I do want the, the people to go watch it and that'll be uh, a good a thing nice, to... A horrible
1: surprise. To, uh, yeah, and to again, intrigue them yeah, to go watch it. Yeah, Starfucker whatever, social climbing or whatever, and I explain why, and I also sort of, I think, like, by, adm- I'm trying to keep myself honest by, like, saying it publicly,
0: so that, like, Which if, we, you know. It, it was uh, one of my favorite parts. Oh, great. Um, of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you can relate to it on a personal level, but, like. Yeah. 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 What I, about it,
0: what did you like about it, if I can ask? Um I relate to the energy that I get sometimes when I'm around a really uh famous person and I intellectually know that this is just a person, but I find myself getting swept up in that that energy. Yeah. And and then also loathing myself at the same time that I want that person to notice me mm-hmm. or to to have a moment yeah. with that person. Yeah. Um because I know this is coming from an emptiness in me that I yeah. don't feel I'm enough. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like watching yourself, uh, you know, rob a store or something, where you're like, yeah. "This is not. Yeah. This is not. This is not are. who I yeah. want to be." Yeah. But it's yeah. almost like there's something robotic
1: in you that's drawn to that to that energy. Yeah. All the biggest star fuckers I know are clinically depressed. Yeah. Like the and the, I know there's a correlation. So. Oh, I never thought about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Neil Brennan, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. It was fun. Many, many thanks to Neil. And definitely check out his uh, his special. I'm I'm sure you will like it. I uh, I loved it. Um before we take it out with uh, some some surveys, I want to uh, give some love to uh to our sponsors. Uh I've told you guys about Madison Reed. Um they produce hair coloring kits. And uh, if you want to get salon quality results, doing it yourself without having to go to the salon and deal with all of that BS and pay salon prices, you want shiny natural looking hair that totally covers your gray and it's ammonia free, no harsh smell, use Madison Reed. All you got to do is go to Madison-Reed.com. Dot .com and take their quick color quiz. By answering a few questions about your hair, they'll find your perfect hair color match. Madison Reed then ships your color directly to your door complete with goof-proof step-by-step instructions. It's super easy. So, if you're looking for a fresh take on at-home hair color, find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit using promo code HAPPY. That's madison-reed.com and promo code HAPPY. And here's what I'm going to do. The first listener to email me with Madison Reed and the subject line, uh, I will arrange for you to get a free color kit sent to you. And uh, all you got to do is give me your feedback on it. So, there you go. I want to also give some love to uh, Blue Apron. If you have never tried Blue Apron, you have to try it. I uh, I tried it about, I guess it would have been about nine months ago. They sent me a free one because they advertised on the show. And uh, I was blown away by how, A, how easy the recipes are to cook, um, but B, how delicious they are. And I guess I'm going to throw a C in there, the variety of meals that they ship you to to cook. Um they, they don't repeat meals. Um I have learned new cooking techniques. I have learned about new spices. Uh you know, I talk a lot about self-care on the show and slowing down and being in the moment and for me doing Blue Apron three times a week absolutely does that. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. And uh, this uh, this month they have seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney. They have spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. And then this one I did, uh, was it this week or last week? Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furikake? cakey. Fur- I don't know how you pronounce it but it's fucking good uh the korean rice cakes i that's a perfect example i had never had korean rice cakes and they are so good it was like you cook it so like one side's kind of crunchy and then the rest of it's kind of chewy and the sauce was yeah all right i'm gonna make i don't want to make this into a five-minute ad but I can't say enough good stuff about about Blue Apron so check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com mental you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash mental Blue Apron a better way to cook and I swear, if we will get to the surveys, one last thing. I'm totally afraid right now that the having ads and then asking you to donate to the show is too much and you're all going to abandon me. But this show does need a budget, and so them, them's the reality. A couple of different ways you can support the podcast. If you feel so inclined, you can go to our website, metalpod.com, and you can make either a one-time PayPal donation or a recurring paypal uh, monthly donation or even better a recurring monthly patreon um donation because patreon is a lot easier to use than paypal and it allows me to give you guys uh free rewards um so um, I have to, I'll have the links to all of this stuff on the, on the website, but that helps a lot. Giving us a good rating on iTunes helps a lot. And another thing that really, really helps is um, if you're going to buy something at Amazon, use the portal on our website. We have a little logo on our homepage. Just click on that and enter through there. And if you buy something, Amazon gives us a little bit of money and it doesn't cost you anything. And all of these things, the advertisers, the donation, the shopping in Amazon, All of that stuff helps keep this podcast going because this is my job. This is my livelihood, and it is made or broken by your support in doing all this stuff. So if that wasn't clear enough, that's me begging. Support our sponsors. Donate where you can. Give a good rating. Or sit on the couch with your thumb up your ass and go fuck yourself. That didn't come out right. Let's get to the surveys. This is a struggle in a sentence survey filled out by Rakana and a snapshot from her life. Uh, This is about her depression. Sitting on my kitchen floor with the blinds closed. It's a beautiful day outside and I can hear kids playing right near my front door. Little do they know I am holding a large kitchen knife to my wrist, silently crying and praying for the courage to just do it. Boy, we started right out of the gate. (sighs) You know, I'm I'm struck by that contrast that that's like life in a fucking nutshell is like innocent little kids giggling on a beautiful day, and on the other side of it, somebody in such pain. Wow, what a picture. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I hope you're in a better place now than. than you were when you experienced that sending you some love fallen guitar shares about her add i currently have 15 internet tabs open i came online to do something but somehow ended up here and have now forgotten the reason i first opened my browser and then parentheses my phone has 53 tabs open about her bulimia I need to rid myself of the mistakes I've made. About living with an abuser. The emotionally abusive things my alcoholic father said to me growing up are now the emotionally abusive things my own thoughts yell at me. Boy, isn't that the isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Thank you for that. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by uh dogs are the best medicine. And Let's see i need more counter space i need a bigger desk let's see uh she is straight in her 30s raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment uh have you ever been the victim of sexual abuse some stuff happened but i don't know if it counts uh, my dad sexualized me especially verbally for instance i remember him telling me at 12 the best way to give a blow job yes that is sexual abuse She writes, I never even had a boyfriend, by the way. Um, He would talk about um, forgiving a blowjob, such as putting ice cubes in my mouth or drinking something hot beforehand or putting a mint in my mouth beforehand. He did lots of stuff that runs the gamut. Another weird thing falling asleep naked in my bedroom watching my TV. So when he would start snoring, I would have to go wake him up. Ugh. Yeah, fucking ugh. That's sexual abuse. No wonder you feel that way. I'm so sorry. Fuck. You ever been physically or emotionally abused? I've been emotionally abused. My dad is exactly like Rush Limbaugh. Uh, he was obsessive about my weight every time I would visit him. He would take my measurements and put them in the computer and tell me exactly, to the ounce, how much I had to lose. This was every other weekend, in summers. Also, he would give me a yearly IQ test, but he would say how smart I was, but it still effed up. And he would make me go picket abortion clinics at nine years old. I don't like abortions, but WTF. Um, Oh, and the time he told me how he was on his way to shoot my mother uh, while I was with her because she had told his mom she thought he might be abusing me, but was, quote, saved by divine intervention. That wasn't the only time he threatened to murder her in front of me. Reading this back, I'm thinking, I know this was the 80s, but why was this allowed to continue? Any positive experiences? There's some things he gave me, like a love of being curious, that I fully appreciate. Also, when I was little, he would take me to fun places sometimes. Wow. That's um, darkest thoughts. I'm afraid I've said things to my kids that they will resent me for later. Um, I wish my dad would die so he could never make weird comments on my Facebook ever again. You should block him from your Facebook. If he's creeping you out on Facebook... Fucking block his ass. Uh, I've always felt that I'm ready to die whenever, but then I get pissed because now I have kids and I have to stay for them. We are very close. Darkest Secrets. I was 17 and at a guy's house, and we were in the bedroom making out, and my dad saw my car parked there. This was a town an hour away from my home, and my car was instantly recognizable. So he knocks on the front door, and the guy's friend answers, and then the friend knocks on the bedroom door and says my dad was there of course i think he's full of crap then my dad just barges in there and i'm in a state of undress he tells me to get dressed and come back to his apartment where he makes me read the bible aloud to him with parts about being pure etc and this was the second time in my life the same scenario had happened the other was when i was five also i remember around six or seven while my mom was in her room i guess walking around the house naked in my sister's high heels and acting like I was a stripper or naked waitress. I have no idea where I could even get that idea. You know, it it would have been nice if, you know, if we could go back in a time machine and say what we should have said. You know, when your dad is making you read the Bible uh, about the parts about being pure, You know, that you could have turned to him and say, oh, pure, you mean like uh, falling asleep naked in my bed or telling me how to uh, give a blowjob, that kind of pure? Uh, Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you, being overtaken in a rapey kind of way. Uh, Gross. I've said it all the time. It's extremely common. Don't shame yourself. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to, stop telling women our bodies, quote, cause men to go astray. Amen. Um, If you shared these things with others, with my hubs, but he thinks I am too critical of myself, but he's always been liked and hasn't had to deal with the same crap. How do you feel after writing these things down? Pathetic. You are so not pathetic. You have been raised in a hugely mind-fucked, abusive, manipulative Sick fucking household. And who wouldn't be affected by that? Especially self-esteem. Um, but just try to remember 99% of the shaming that parents do is them subconsciously yelling at themselves about what they hate about themselves. But unfortunately, that, that voice usually gets planted in our, in our brain. Uh, Kathleen shares about uh, her depression and anxiety uh, gives us a snapshot from her life waking up and feeling how wonderfully safe my bed is but forcing myself to get up even though I know that's the last time I'll feel happy all day beautifully put beautifully put I know what it's like to have those stretches where that that's it. The bed, the bed is my only friend. The pillow is the only truth. <laughs> Everything else is just a bullshit show to you know, keep food on the table and Yeah. Hang in there, man. It can get better. It got better for me. Just took a lot of fucking work. Trying different meds, support groups, all the stuff I talk about. Call Me Kate shares about her depression. Uh, it's like being one of those ugly fake ficus trees that has sat too long in the corner of some tacky office covered in dust and cobwebs waiting to magically be brought to life. Oh, that is so good. Um, and then, uh, any comments to make the podcast better, she wants to uh, lend her, her services to, to maybe help out uh, and do some stuff. So if you hear this... Um, shoot me an email through the website. I could always use help. Um, Bookner Jen shares an awful, awfulsome moment. Tonight, my nieces moved into my spare room because their parents are homeless. I was in the kitchen a few minutes ago thinking how good I felt about giving these young girls a safe place to live, a place where they can have some relief, see good behaviors modeled and escape chaos at the exact same time i was shoving sugar into my mouth by the teaspoonful right out of the bag in my kitchen in the dark uh i uh my mom called me on my birthday and she left a message i didn't i didn't pick up and i debated on whether or not to listen to it cuz i haven't I haven't listened to, even though she's left some voicemails, I haven't listened to any of them in a couple of years. And I thought I'd be okay, you know, just hearing her voice and uh, that it wouldn't fuck me up. And uh, cut to uh, later that night watching porn for seven straight hours and eating half a pint of Ben and Jerry's 15 minutes before I went to bed. Um. Yeah, I think part of the biggest struggle in life is getting honest about what triggers us, what we can handle, and what we can't handle. Um, it's embarrassing to say that that I can't handle hearing the sound of my mom's voice, and especially because it was a, you know, it was a nice message. It was basically saying, I, you know, I. I just want to wish you a happy birthday and I I love you um regardless of whatever I can't remember the exact same words of uh you know basically unconditionally and you know it, it would have been honestly easier if she had left me uh, a message that hurt my feelings um because then it would make this decision that I've made and infirm with about no contact that would have made that decision easier, but um, it just it's why I shouldn't listen to the messages because it just pulls me back into that that cycle of oh. I'm resisting beating myself up for talking about that. That's my new uh, 2017 thing is I'm going to be less mean to myself. How's that going? Like shit. This is filled out by how. Am I so okay? And she is in her 30s, uh, asexual. Um, She specifies uh, romantic asexual. asexual, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused, not sure if she's been physically or emotionally abused. I grew up with a father who has severe PTSD. I was untreated through my childhood. I don't think I was abused, but my parents have a twisted and negative approach to their marriage and to those around them, and it marked everything. My father hit my sister on several occasions, cracking her nose a few times. My mother's response was that my sister provoked him. I'd say that's physically and emotionally abusive. Um, Darkest thoughts. I wish my father would just die already. Sometimes I want to shake my mother and tell her, I remember you being better than this. You should be better than this. Darkest secrets. I am recovered from bulimia. One of the common things about bulimia that nobody talks about is the stealing. A lot of us steal Usually small, stupid things that catch our eye, not anything we need. We do it for the same reason we binge. We're trying to fill an empty place inside us. I got fired from a store once for stealing. I also stole money from a significant other, a kid who loved the shit out of me, which makes no sense at all because I was just this empty half-person shuffling around. It just made me more convinced I was a terrible person. Thank you for sharing that. Um... Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you, death. I'm most aroused by thoughts of being violently killed. It's not something I'm comfortable talking about out loud, and I'm not sure if it has more to do with self-hate or wanting to be dominated. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, and I love this too. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? You don't have to be pretty all the time. Fuck those people and what they may think of you. High five. Hi five. This is a happy moment filled out by I love this name. I'm not crying, you're crying. Shut up. Um today I came to the realization that I am going to fail a dual credit English class I took this semester. I started crying and my boyfriend was rubbing my back, comforting me. I texted my mom, will you be disappointed in me if I fail that English class? Before she even answered, I went into full-on sobbing. We texted back and forth a bit, and she finally told me, It's not the end of the world. After you graduate, no one will give a shit about what English class you took or what grade you got. As long as you worked hard and did your best, I'm happy. I don't think she realizes what weight she lifted off my shoulders by saying that. Thank you for sharing that. This is a happy moment filled out by Sunshine Yellow, and she writes, I'm 43 years old. In a recent session with my therapist, uh, I relayed the childhood memory of my mom sobbing in the car to me about how unhappy she is in her marriage and how emotionally abusive my father is. At the time of the memory, I'm 15 years old, and I plead with her, you can't just keep on crying about this. Do something. Go to marriage counseling or leave him. But for God's sakes, don't just keep crying about it. Do something. All throughout childhood, both mom and dad complained about their marriage to me constantly. It was so upsetting to hear my parents badmouth each other to me. Neither mom nor dad ever did anything about their bad marriage. They're still in the bad marriage. My therapist points out this childhood experience may be the reason I am triggered by people who aren't proactive in solving their problems. It all clicks into place. One example of this trigger in my life today is me getting frustrated with my brother who complains about his lack of relationship with his children. This same brother hardly ever speaks with his kids and doesn't take an interest in their lives. The moment my therapist connected the dots to discover this trigger, it felt like she took my hand and led me through the dark house of my brain and helped me find a light switch. The longer I go to therapy and seek, the more rooms become light in my previously dark and scary brain. It's an exciting journey, and I can't wait to see what I find next. Oh, I can't even tell you how, how fucking much I love that survey. Thank you for sharing that. That just... Would that qualify as spiritual porn? That's like, uh, yeah, that's just so good. Although I guess porn would be a, a defiling of it. I don't know. Shut up. Hey, we're going to be nice to we're going to be nice to Paul. It's 2017. This does not last until February. Innerbeard filled out a Shame and Secret survey. He's straight. He is in his 20s. He's 24. And was raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment never been sexually abused, but he has been emotionally abused. My mother pushes and pulls me away. She walks over me casually and gets offended when I defend myself. The most recent thing I remember is her calling me lazy on the phone to a friend for quote only working 40 hours a week, loud enough that my friends on Skype could hear her. My stepfather once told me that he was more embarrassed of me participating in a live action role playing than he was of his son who is in jail for robbery and drug charges. Your dad sounds like a terrific guy. He also recently told me that even after being my stepfather for 15 years, he doesn't love me and never has. I think you should go on vacation with Neil Brennan. You guys would have a lot to talk about. Uh, I was made homeless by my parents. I had nowhere I could move into. I didn't have a lot of friends. I ended up moving in with a girl I started dating. And I and I hope that doesn't come across as me uh, minimizing what happened to you because that is fucking Horrible. That is some serious, serious emotional uh, abuse and neglect. Um, Any positive experiences? The only real positive experiences I've had with my mother were financial aid she has given me. I wouldn't even qualify that as as a positive experience because I really think like the emotional shit is the stuff that counts. Yeah, I mean, we do need the financial stuff too, but... Anyway, after a bad breakup of a four-year relationship, I was, quote, lucky enough to sleep on the floor of a walk-in closet at her house for a month while I got on my feet. Wow. Darkest thoughts, other than the occasional suicidal thought, I don't think I have any darkest secrets. It's not really a secret, but my ex of over four years uh, that I was building a life with cheated on me and was completely unapologetic about it. It completely crushed my self-esteem. She never indicated anything going badly in the relationship, and it just came out of the blue. Sexual fantasies. I am turned on by the idea of foreplay and sexual intercourse with a sleeping woman. I've indulged a bit with my ex, but with permission. A few times I've completed the act without them waking. Uh, I, I am assuming that, uh, you mean with the person who gave you permission, uh, to do that. I hope that's, I hope that's what you mean. Um, What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd like to know why my birth father wanted so little to do with myself and my sister. Um, I don't know your birth father, but I'd say there's a 99.99% chance that the answer to that is because he was thinking about himself, because he's probably damaged and uh, has never gotten help and is filled with fear and self-loathing. This was uh, a struggle in a sentence filled out by Make and Break Moment, and he he writes about his love addiction. I lost my identity. Can I borrow yours? That's so great. About his codependency. I don't I don't know what I want, so I try to want what you want, but I don't know what that is either. So maybe I'll just cry until you take care of me. Snapshot from his life, after years at a job in a lab, I finally got up the courage to ask our head researcher for a letter of recommendation so I could apply to grad school. He agreed, but halfway through our meeting, I could already tell that while he was agreeing to write me a reference, it wasn't going to be a recommendation. My stomach clenched tighter with every question. By the end, I couldn't look him in the eye, but I still thanked him profusely on my way out. I did not get into grad school. Any comments to make the podcast better. Will you write me a letter of recommendation for grad school? Yes, I will. And uh, it will go something like this: To who it may concern, to whom I'm sorry, I got to impress them. to whom it may concern. My brief survey exchange with Make- and Break was a delight. He is able to clarify the essence of his love addiction's emptiness his codependency's desperation, and his incapacitating terror as a result of his PTSD. If I, dear sir, was not a mythanthropic one-man operation on a shoestring budget, why, I'd snap him right up and you could go fuck yourself. Respectfully yours, Paul Gilmartin, Internet Jackass. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by 420 sex god 666, who is agender. um, And then they qualify female slash agender slash it's complicated. Uh, And they are gay. Uh, Let's see about their ADD. Everything else is way more engaging than whatever it is I need to do right now. Oh, that's so good. About binge eating, I deserve this comfort that I don't get anywhere else and that it will kill me quickly is just a bonus. About depersonalization disorder, my head is full of static and I can't find the frequency everyone else is tuned into. About autism, I'm not a human being, I'm just very good at pretending to be one. Snapshot from their life. In my second year of university, I made some friends, including a very kind, naturally affectionate man who somehow took a shine to me. Once he kissed me on the cheek hello when we met just before one of our classes together. I was so shocked at this that I dissociated through the entire class and afterwards ran and hid somewhere to bawl my eyes out for the first time in several years. I was so unready for that kind of casual intimacy. I avoided him ever since and I ended up dropping out. So Tim, if you're reading or listening to this, sorry man, I've got some issues. You guys are the best. Just the fucking best. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by skewered tits. And she writes, Mom drunk dialed me last night near midnight. I had told her earlier that I dyed my hair hot pink. So she called me drunk and asked, Well, what about your muff? What color is that? Oh, my God. You cannot make this shit up. Uh, This is a shame and secret survey filled out by Blah Blah. She's straight, in her 30s, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment. Uh, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Uh, But she doesn't uh, elaborate. She's never been physically abused, but she has been emotionally abused. I was raised extremely religious. My parents had their reasons, wanted us to experience grace and forgiveness, but their way of showing us that was that we had to ask our parents and God for forgiveness every time we did something wrong. I never thought I was experiencing God the way I was supposed to. There was so much pressure to perform in church growing up. My parents were in leadership, so I was always afraid to admit that I didn't know if I was saved. Seriously, I would have rather gone to hell than embarrass my parents. I later married a pastor and then had multiple affairs, one spanning four years. Not until I was caught did I admit for the first time in my life I'm not a Christian. My mother still feels like a failure because of this and doesn't know why I would have any bitterness towards the church. Any positive experiences with the abusers? Church camp was always so fun, filled with euphoric nights, all of which ended with the same message Only if you are a part of our club can you have fun, and the only reason for fun is to lure you and others into talking about Jesus. Darkest thoughts. I faced most of those things, so there is very little shame. I mean, I hate being monogamous, but I'm happily married with four kids, but sometimes I fantasize about getting a divorce just so I can date again. Darkest Secrets. The first time I had sex with another man while being married was on Mother's Day. I left my wonderful husband and kids at home expressly to fuck a man I don't really remember. Sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. My last affair was with a man who was also married. The secret dark meetings are literally the most fun I've ever had. The best feelings in the world came from this man and I think of him every single time I have sex or masturbate, even years later. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone that you haven't been able to? I am... I do want to tell my mom what a bitch she is and everything she did wrong. I wish I could tell her how she is domineering and how she neglected me and how hurtful it was that every child at church was more important than me. Every child she worked with uh, so well and so happily on missions trips was more important than me. I do want her to hear that but it's mostly out of spite. She did her best, and everyone else in the world only knows her as an amazing missionary. I'd also hate to invalidate all her good deeds. Um, what, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I could move closer to the ocean. I'd like to be warm all the time and active, and I'd like to never have to go to church again. Have you shared these things with others? Sometimes I do, and I have. My husband knows 99% of this, and he has been incredible, just incredible. Working through these things is hard, but worth it. How do you feel after writing these things down? Good, and reminded how much work I still have to do. Thank you so much for sharing all of that stuff. Um, It... um, I can't imagine... I can't imagine what... um, How confusing that must have been to be around people who are, you know, held up on a a spiritual pedestal who were abusive in private. And um, it's amazing how so many people pervert spirituality into a narcissistic tool to fill their own emptiness um but i i really appreciate all the things that you had to um to share and um sending you some love this is uh this is filled out as an awful some moment at um yeah i guess it is i think it's more like a struggle in a sentence just a good struggle in a sentence aj shares about her depression i'm great at getting out of bed today i've already done it 10 times (laughs) that's so fantastic i wonder what is the most number of times i've gotten out of bed not for the flu but for depression what's your number Like people ask at each other their sex number. What's your depression number? I think mine would probably be probably four, maybe four. Um, Unless you count the couch then, and then it'd probably be a hundred. Jay describes his depression. It feels like I'm living in a black and white movie about his codependency I tend to try and make other people the answer to my problems instead of trying to fix myself Uh, and then a snapshot from his life he writes I'm currently failing out of college but I cannot bring myself to tell anyone I'm smart enough to do college but most days I was so full of dread that I simply didn't go to class the whole time I was doing this I was distancing myself From all of my high school friends for reasons I still don't really understand. But everything was okay because I had a girlfriend and she loved me and I loved her. But the whole time I was lying to myself. So I had to start lying to her and she started catching me in my lies. So it came to the time where I'd realized I'd either have to tell her or our relationship would end. But I couldn't bring myself to tell her. So I disconnected myself from the relationship and drove her to break up with me. And she did, so now I have no friends and I lost my love because I wouldn't just do what was good for me. I've had so many chances to do amazing things in my life, but I always destroy them. Now I feel lost and have never felt so alone and I did it all to myself. And buddy, I wanted to read this because, you know, I, I am not a ment- mental health professional, but from my experience with depression and anxiety, man, that, that to me sounds like classic classic depression and anxiety and there is help for that um i would strongly encourage you this isn't these are not personal failures on your part i i would bet anything in the world that this is probably something chemically that is going on with you um and certainly something that that talk therapy could probably help with as well but um that that it just sounds so textbook. Um, so please don't give up hope. Anybody that that relates to that, um, that's what help is for. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by pocket lint. Who is gender fluid? And they write, I have OCD along with a whole suitcase full of other mental and physical health issues. I started therapy again in 2015 and finally found a therapist that fits. Uh, And finally found a therapist that fits in 2016. All of my obsessions and compulsions are secret, so no one has ever noticed or known about them except this therapist. I've been not, I have not been able to be barefoot except in my bed for over five years. This summer I decided it was time to fight that. I was at a friend's place and went out front for a cigarette break um, with my friend. For the first time I decided to go outside completely barefoot, no socks or anything. I didn't tell anyone I was doing it, I just did it. I hid my excitement and disgust and just acted natural, had my cigarette. After a couple of m- minutes I realized my feet hurt. They were stinging. I looked down and I was standing directly in the middle of a red fire ant hill. Every fear relating to being barefoot outside was true. After brushing them off and running inside, my friends helped me fix my bites and I laughed. Since then, I've told my girlfriend and mother about my barefoot issue, and I'm almost over it, but I'm not quite ready to try being barefoot outside again anytime soon. I got bit by like two fire ants once, and it fucking hurts. It's like a bee sting. Uh, Just tell me I'm pretty, filled out a shame and secret survey, and she's straight in her thirties, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment, never been sexually abused, but she's been emotionally abused. Uh, she writes, I guess you can call it that. Just a childhood of being o- an overweight girl in a society where this is unforgiving, especially to my grandma. It drove me to the point of an eating disorder. She was so goddamn proud of me when I reached an unhealthily, an unhealthy low weight. Even now, the number on my scale can control my mood and keeping my weight down consumes my life. I've always felt like a disappointment to my dad and never really knew dads could be affectionate and love their daughters. Didn't really realize this until just a few years ago. Darkest thoughts. That often I go to sleep with someone inside my, I often go to sleep with someone inside my head chanting, you're a piece of shit, over and over. That voice isn't always gone when I wake up. I crave attention from men. Even though I am married to a wonderful man, I am afraid that one day my need for attention will cause me to do something that will hurt him or potentially ruin my family and cause me to regret it the rest of my life. All so I can feel pretty. Darkest secrets. I was sexually assaulted in college. Not abused, but have physical, but had physical contact forced on me. I'm not, I'm, I am I'm. think assaulted and abused, I mean, they're both the same severity, um, so I hope you're not saying that being assaulted is not abuse. Um, it was terrifying at first, but then I took it as a compliment. See, uh, I really am a piece of shit. Uh, I have binged and purged while my children were asleep upstairs, and I have a moment And if I have a moment of weakness with food, I feel like I am watching my body expand before my eyes. Sexual fantasies. Someone being turned on by me. Seriously, I'm that shallow. That is not shallow. That's fucking human. It's beautiful. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? Uh, I can't keep friendships. I distance myself after a while because I don't want friends to know who I really am and then not like me. On the outside, I'm the happiest girl you've ever met. On the inside, I'm punching myself. I disappoint everyone and feel like the clock is ticking until the the moment my kids see me for who I really am and I disappoint them. Somehow my husband stays with me. I can't even hug him sometimes, and I don't know why. I love him so much, but I don't deserve him. What if he finds out what I really am? Or what if you find out that you're okay exactly as you are? I honestly think that frightens us more. That unknown. You know, I heard somebody say one time, you know, it was a little dramatic, but I heard somebody say that we are terrified of our magnificence. And I think there's truth to that because it would, it would be like turning upside down everything that has been told to us up until now by people that have abused us and by the record that we play in our head. And I honestly think that frightens us more. What if anything do you wish for? I wish I could focus more. Um, have you shared these things with others? Uh, not really. I used to see a therapist while I was in college and in full swing eating disorder mode. I was diagnosed with ADHD, but I feel like people would just laugh at the 30-year-old me saying, I have ADHD. Why? Why? Why would anybody laugh at you? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. How do you feel after writing these things down? Wow, like what are you going to think when you read this? Are you going to think I'm wasting your time with my shallow thoughts and trivial complaints? Are you going to think I'm a piece of shit? You won't be wrong. I'm going to give you some tough love right here. Obsessive self-hatred is a form of selfishness. You know, grandiosity is all about us, but so is obsessive self-hatred because making ourselves to be either the best or the worst is is a lie none of us are either and our ego is terrified of us being one of many and the reality is you're one of many you're unique and beautiful but your struggling is universal and i'm not saying to ignore it or minimize it but don't use it to separate yourself from other people because that is your ego that is your ego being selfish and you're not there for other people when you're wrapped up in yourself. And I hope you understand that this is that I'm saying this from a place of of um, of love, because I struggle with the same thing. I mean, anybody that listens to this show knows. Well, I get into a fucking shame spiral about a mistake. I'm of no use to anybody else because I'm just sitting in the corner thinking about myself. And that's selfish. This is a struggle in a sentence filled out by um, a person who calls themselves suck the dick I don't have. Uh, They're questioning their gender. Uh, They're gay. They're a teenager. And about their bulimia. Love doesn't feel as good as food. About self-harm. The stare of the person who was into you only until they saw the deep scars on your breasts. Wow. Sending you some love. You are lovable no matter no matter what scars you you have and fuck that person. Diaz filled out a struggle in a sentence. And uh, she struggles with OCD and uh, she writes, "...only going out to buy food at night so nobody driving past me can see me hitting myself, twitching, or shaking my head." Um, Snapshot from her life, "...I want to be able to talk about how my mom shuts down emotionally anytime I or one of my siblings brings up something difficult." When she found out about my anxiety issues, all of her advice felt wrong. A lot of times I would come home from school after having a panic attack. She would just sigh and disappointment and then give me advice. I was 16 when she found my self-harm wounds and she was the one that shut me out. She went to her room and slammed her door while I just stood there in the hallway crying. That is so fucking heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking. Oh, my God! She also threatened to kick me out of the house or send me to a metal hospital um I'm just left feeling like I've subconsciously been doing everything to hurt her and only her. I'm guessing she has some kind of trauma or something, and I try to be patient now she she is I'm sure she does have some kind of trauma, but she is a fucking gigantic narcissist. She understands me a little more these days, but I still feel a deep sadness in my entire body when I remember that I was punished for punishing myself for something I couldn't handle. I was a kid. I was alone and even my mom pushed me away. I was 17 years old when my depression and anxiety got so bad that I snapped on my walk home from school. I stood at a bridge over a highway, 60% willing to jump, 40% just hoping someone would come up to me and just actually listen for once. I think a bunch of people walking by did try to speak to me, but I can't remember. A girl in my class found me and walked me to the bus stop. I cried and cried and cried. An old lady on the bus took my hand and told me life will get easier and that I won't feel this way my whole life. She smiled at me, and I wished I had the strength to smile back at her, but I just nodded and said thank you. Why do the kindest people in this town not live in my house? I got off the bus, dried my tears, walked to my house and never told anybody what had just happened. This is one of the most moving things that I have ever read. And I just want to say that we see you. Every person who just heard me read that I know is as moved as I am And we wish that we could have been there to give you a hug and tell you that it will get better and that you deserve better and that you were failed in your house. But there's a ton of good people in the world that will love you. And our mission is to find them and connect to them, and let them love us, and love them back. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by Phoenix Rising. She is straight, in her th- uh, she writes straight, open-minded uh, cis men or trans men. She's uh, in her thirties, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. I've ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. I had a few experiences with a female peer when we were around eight or nine. We always wore clothes, but we would play house uh, where she was the daddy and I was the mommy and she would hump me on my bed. Other times, she would flash me with her barely developed chest or stuck her finger in her pants and ask me to smell, uh, though I definitely refused that one. Uh, As an adult, I think back and realize It got the ball rolling for a lot of early masturbation and some uncomfortable sexual fantasies, so I think that on some level this must have been a form of sexual abuse. Uh, She's never been physically abused, but she has been emotionally abused. My family was normal until I was about six when my parents divorced and my dad moved 3,000 miles away. My mother had limited, limited coping skills and could not handle the divorce and went through many major depressive episodes without seeking treatment, which put me in charge of the household and my little sister from a very early age. My mom would confide in me from the age of seven or eight about the traumatizing physical abuse and neglect she endured as a child and the emotional struggles she was going through as an adult. I also witnessed her daily breakdowns where she would scream at my sister and I. When I was 12, my mom finally asked my dad and stepmom to finish raising my sister and I and we were shipped across the country without a choice. That's when the emotional abuse became the most destructive. My new parents were extremely controlling, the exact opposite extreme from my mom, and I spent my entire adolescence extremely confused and depressed, constantly punished for things that were irrational or I could not control. An example is getting grounded for not opening the blinds before pulling them up, or getting grounded when a friend's parents dropped me off two minutes late from Hebrew school when I was 13 and could not drive. This instilled a sense of rage and learned helplessness that exacerbated my mental illness, uh, depression, and anxiety, and is still triggered on a sometimes hourly basis a decade and a half after leaving for college any positive experiences with the abusers. My parents have changed a lot over the time since I moved out and I want so badly to have a closer relationship with them, but the psychological harm they did combined with their continued misunderstanding of my illness makes me incapable of feeling safe around them. Darkest thoughts. I'm most most ashamed of my sexual fantasies ha- have not truly shared them with anyone. I'm not sure if they are linked to the experience with my peer as a kid or the fact that I was carted around and psychologically abused with no control over my situation. Maybe both to some extent, but I have no memory of being molested by any adults or other individuals. My fantasies typically involve being an imaginary young girl, uh, never myself, And having an imaginary adult male family member, cousin, brother, uncle, etc., choose to molest me to orgasm for their own sick pleasure, enjoying the fact that they know they're going to fuck me up forever, making me think it's my fault. This is the only way I'm able to reach orgasm, and afterward it feels so icky and shameful to imagine. Please do not shame yourself for that. I know many people who have a similar fantasy. And it does no good, no good to beat yourself up for that. Um, find somebody that you can share it with, you know, a consenting adult and embrace your freckles. You know, what turns us on is it's it's just there. It's like freckles. And um, you can stare in the mirror and fucking hate your freckles for the rest of your life or you can embrace them. and and let somebody love the part of you that is um, so vulnerable, you know? Darkest secrets. I've spent my life trying to be a good person, if not for altruism, then for protection from my parents' criticism. It hasn't worked. So I don't have many things I wouldn't want to share, primarily the sexual fantasy above. Um, After sharing the fantasies, it makes me feel grateful that this survey is anonymous as well as feeling vulnerable and self-judgmental to share such a creepy part of myself. That is not creepy. Doing it in real life um, with an innocent child is creepy. Um, What, if anything, would you like to say to someone that you haven't been able to? I would like to tell my dad and my stepmom, that they are the ones really responsible for intensifying my mental illness that they don't seem to be able to understand. I am not bad. I am sick. I was not bad as a kid. I was sick. You two broke me and labeled me as the identified patient. How fucking narcissistic and controlling are you? How do you feel to know you fucked up someone's life and caused irreparable damage? Take fucking responsibility and stop telling me to get over it. And then she quotes Fiona Apple, fire my trigger, then you blame my gun. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish I was not medication resistant. I've spent more than half my life now trying to figure out how to balance my moods, and they're just as unpredictable as ever. Despite devoting my life to becoming a therapist and helping myself and others manage life with mental illness... My illness prevents me from being consistent with work and made grad school a huge challenge to get through. If only a medication would bring me up to baseline, I'd be able to feel like I could stop treading water while figuring out how to adult. Um, Have you shared these things with others? Yes, I have an incredible therapist that I've been seeing for the past three years Though I've had countless therapists throughout my life, I feel extremely comfortable with her, which is rare due to my social anxiety, and have been able to get the majority of my challenges communicated to her. How do you feel after writing these things down? I feel like the questions helped me connect the dots to my sexual fantasies, which always confused me due to my lack of significant molestation. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I you know I think that goes to show how ready we are to shame ourselves for what turns us on she's a therapist and she intellectually knows that she shouldn't shame herself for having that fantasy she knows that that it's a fairly common fantasy you know that people have age inappropriate fantasies, power imbalance fantasies, incest fantasies. But she won't allow herself to do it. And that's, I think, just goes to show how so much of this work is not intellectual. It's processing emotions. Um, But I'm so glad that writing that out rang some bells for you. That's, it's, I always forget that. You know, I, I hate journaling, but every time I journal or write my thoughts out, I get some type of epiphany from it. This is a happy moment filled out by uh, Sue Dunham, and uh, they write, I have an eating disorder, and I'm pretty obese, and have have been since I was a kid. As you can probably imagine, this has come with a hefty dose of constant body shame. However, I was at a cousin's first birthday party a few days ago, and there was a bouncy castle. And in parentheses, Google says Americans call them bounce houses. And when the families with young kids were leaving, I overcame my embarrassment and went on it myself. I had a genuinely great time jumping around like I haven't done since I was a child, and I didn't care that I was an adult, or that I took up space, or that people were watching. Even when my mom made some bullshit remark about me breaking the castle with my weight, I was so joyful that I didn't care. I laughed so hard that my throat hurt when I was done. I hadn't felt happiness like that in a long time, and when you're in the depths of mental illness, it can be hard to believe that it even exists, so I'm so grateful to the universe that I experienced that moment, and I am so fucking grateful that you shared that with us, that, that just, that's just so fucking awesome. It is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. This is a. Uh, this is an awfulsome moment. I think this one's a happy moment, but it was filled out as an awfulsome moment. Yeah, I guess it's awfulsome. Uh, filled out by SpongeBob SquareHead. And uh she writes, I had been recently hospitalized for a depressive bipolar episode. It was just over a year sober. I was just over a year sober and was found uh, myself back where I was before. I was not anymore a smoker. Uh, I was, parentheses, n- but not anymore a smoker since it was the last vice I really had after quitting drinking. It was Visitor's Day, and to make matters worse, my then-husband refused to come see me. I sat in my room staring at the pale green walls. I just wanted a cigarette. That was all that was going through my head. Visiting hours came, and I watched the rest of the patients hugging and talking to their friends or family. I glanced at the locked doors, and I started to tear up. There was my best friend. You can't mess her because she is so tall and so beautiful, and she was let through the door. As she was let through the doors, we hugged and walked back to my room. She immediately looked around and from her bag pulled out a pack of cigarettes and a lighter. I was laughing and crying. She too was crying and whispered to me, Now this is some real girl interrupted shit. We quickly went into the bathroom of my room and stood on the toilet so that we could blow the smoke from our shared cigarette into the vent above all the while knowing it was completely wrong, but laughing anyway because we knew in that moment everything was okay. The feeling that I get when I read those last happy moments or awfulsome moments or just whatever... Beautiful survey it is that you guys fill out, that feeling that I have like I have right now, if I could just carry that through the day I wouldn't need meds actually I'd still need meds but um, just thank you thank you thank you for making my life better and helping me through my ups and downs and helping the people who hear them, the people that hear me read them And thank you for your support. And um, if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, and thank you for for all of your really kind emails. You know, after I talked about my wife and I splitting up on the episode um, last week, um, so many of you guys emailed me, and um, it really touched me. It really touched me. Um, But to anyone who's out there and, and struggling, I hope this last. 152 minutes has brought you some comfort or insight or at the very least some distraction and um i just hope you remember that there's love and there's help out there um sometimes we just gotta the challenge is to just find it and ask for it but you'd be amazed how much better your life can get i i'm living proof i'm living proof and uh never forget that you are not alone and thanks for listening